Your Health with Dr. Jill, a weekly conversation about health topics with Dr. Jill Valerius. Good morning, Dr. Jill. Good morning, Lee. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How about you? I'm really well, thank you. Okay. So we've been talking about fiber recently, and we thought we would branch out to one of the reasons we eat fiber, which is to prevent constipation. Where is a yeah. good place to start with that? I think when we start talking about constipation, the incidence of it, probably nearly a third of our population deals with constipation. Wow. Most commonly, older adults, women and children, it happens to most everyone at some point. Usually, it is intermittent. It is self-limiting. So it will resolve, right? Okay. But, you know, for some people, it doesn't. And some people will say that I, I've always been constipated. And, you know, and when they say that, like it's a perceived difficulty of having bowel movements, you know, not having a daily bowel movement or discomfort mm-hmm. related to having a bowel movement. So those are kind of all the things that people would talk about. With const- All right. So is a daily bowel movement sort of considered normal or proper, or is it there more variation in what is normal for an adult human? I think that there is variation, but ideally we should be having a bowel movement at least daily. Okay. Many people have more than one bowel movement in a day. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, if you're not having... On, in general, a bowel movement on a daily basis, like there's probably some things to be looking at. There, There is actually some criteria, like when we start to looking at what you call functional constipation, you know, and for adults, this would be straining during a quarter of the times that you have a bowel movement, lumpy or hard stools at least a quarter of the time, sensation of incomplete evacuation, like you weren't able to empty you know, your rectum a quarter of the time, if there's obstruction or blockage a quarter of the time, or if somebody needs to actually perform some sort of manual maneuver to help themselves have a bowel movement. And three defecate, less less than three defecations a week. So any two of those six things would be what we call Rome 2 criteria for constipation. What was that, Rome 2? Rome 2. Rome okay. Yeah, Rome, like Rome, Italy. Okay. Rome. And for children, if there's pebble-like or hard stools for a majority of their stools for a couple of weeks, firm stools twice a week, and then in kids, we, you know, really want to rule out structural or endocrine or metabolic disease, which, which we also do for adults, obviously, as well. But often some of those things are diagnosed earlier than adulthood. Okay. Okay. So if one has, if a person has two or more of those Rome six factors, then they could be clinically described as intermittently constipated or constipated? Constipated. That would meet criteria for functional constipation. Okay. So, and when we, when we think about functional constipation, we, it, it really gets broken down into three things. One would be normal transit. So, Stool goes through the colon at your normal rate. Bowel frequency is normal. And with normal transit constipation, people would describe difficulty with emptying your bowels or the presence of hard stools. Mm-hmm. When we get into the next slow transit constipation, I mean, that's self, pretty self-descriptive. You know, there's a prolonged delay of 
stool through the colon. And people that have this issue will often complain of bloating and infrequent bowel movements. And the third would be pelvic floor dysfunction. And pelvic floor dysfunction has really become more well-recognized, I would say, in the last several years, both men and women. And certainly for women related to childbirth or postmenopausal hormone changes, there can be issues with evacuation. And what's really happening is there's like there's just discoordination between the sphincter and people are having difficulty like really emptying their their rectum. Okay. And so so pending where we fall, you know, that actually helps us think about like, okay, wait a minute, what should we be thinking about related to these different types of constipation? Okay. I'm I'm all ears. <laughs> okay. So things that we think about, physical activity. Mm-hmm. It's super you know, like it's important with every topic that you and I discuss. Right. And yeah, like two, there's, if you, if somebody has low physical activity, you have basically twice the risk of being constipated. Okay. So, and then we think about nutrition. Mm-hmm. We just spoke about fiber. Right. So fiber is very important. The other things that I think about in terms of, let's say, medications, you know, what medications could be associated with constipation, aluminum containing antacids. So Tums, Mm -hmm. those kind of common things can cause constipation. If someone is on a diuretic blood pressure medicine, that can cause constipation. Antidepressants, antihistamines, anticholinergic meds. Wow. Non-steroidal and anti-inflammatory. So ibuprofen. Wow. Naproxen. Right. Yeah. Iron, Iron supplements, Opioid drugs, anticonvulsants, so if somebody has a seizure disorder, calcium channel blockers and beta blockers, which are really common blood Uh pressure meds as well. So all of those things can be related to constipation. Right. I'm remembering in terms of having had surgery on my shoulder and taking pain meds afterward, being really constipated. I mean, that the pain meds just sort of stopped everything for a while. Pain, pain meds are really, really common. And think about post-surgical. Often, you're not moving as much as you normally are, even if it's your shoulder. Mm-hmm. You know, so hospitalizations, post-surgical, post, just post an injury, many of those things will impact your bowel regularity, mm-hmm. uh, basically, you know, what your, what your stools look like and and, and how you're able to pass them. Okay. Wow. Uh, fluids is an obvious. Yep. I, I think that would be very obvious. And, you know, and then when we talk about, like, you know, what what can we do? Lots of different options for stool. Like, we've got to think about, like, number one, what sort of constipation are you having? Because then we might be able to focus on those things. But increasing physical activity, increasing fiber. If we need to... We can use like those bulking laxatives. We can use like psyllium, which is like Metamucil, Citrusel, those kind of things. We can use more what we call osmotic laxatives, which is milk of magnesia, Miralax. So those things will, they're not well absorbed, but that will actually help you evacuate your, your bowels. And then there are a whole class of stimulant laxatives. So that's Senna. And bisacodyl, which is like Ducalax, mm-hmm. and 
And I think these are all common things, and people can get these over the counter. So stool softeners, you know, but you can think about where if you're not pooping, but every three days, probably a softener is not going to help you as much as maybe a laxative, Mm -hmm. which makes sense. But if you're having trouble pooping and you have little moose turds, you know, maybe a softener will help you. And so softeners are like docusate. That is super common. And then there's old things like in that we would use sometimes in kids, like you can use mineral oil that you can use as suppositories. Mm -hmm. Uh, And certainly there are enemas and all of those sort of things as well. Mm -hmm. Are those still commonly used? (laughs) That's a good question. Or hard to measure. It's, I think it's hard to measure because many people, I, I can be in conversation with someone and they mention an enema and I could go a month with, if I were to mention it, somebody would think I had an eyeball in the middle of my forehead. Mm-hmm. So it, it is very interesting. But, you know, in addition to those, we do pelvic floor physical therapy if, if it's an evacuation issue. You know, adding like aloe in your, a little bit of aloe in your diet can make a difference. Abdominal massage. Uh, When we're dealing with children, especially with constipation, sometimes kids are toilet training and that kind of stuff, especially if they have harder stools. Sometimes we can get into issues with retention Mm -hmm. because a child, child or even adult can have a mental link of this being a painful process. And, and who wants to have a painful process? None of us. Mm-hmm. So, so then we try to avoid it, which, as you can imagine with children, that just like makes things worse and worse and worse. And I guess that's, that's one thing to reiterate is one thing that helps avoid constipation is if you have to go, go. Don't hold right. it. Right. But, you, you know, the other thing to think about with having a bowel movement and those kind of, you know, that, that would be one of our activities that we really need to utilize our parasympathetic system. That is that rest and digest system. Mm-hmm. If you are out the door, got to do 20 things, you know, a lot of people basically are, don't have the time or they're not relaxed enough to poop. Wow. Because you, you have to be able to relax enough because otherwise if that sphincter is tight, nothing's going through it. So sometimes it's a matter of being able to relax. Like I will see people who throughout their working career or in specific jobs struggle with constipation, change a job. Maybe they have a little bit more time in the morning or they're not under as much stress. And now it's not a problem. And different people have different levels of comfort uh, utilizing public restrooms or you know, they, there, there's a lot of variability. You know, there's also, there's a mental component to it in addition to that sympathetic parasympathetic, parasympathetic balance wow. that plays a role in this. Okay. That's so, fascinating because there's so like, lots of things to think about. Mm-hmm. Multifaceted. You know, there's the whole diet, exercise, hydration, mental state, stress level, rest and digest versus fight or flight response, discomfort right. with feeling comfortable and safe wherever it is that you are that you need to poop i mean yep yeah i think and those many of those things are really are often overlooked the significance that they can have Mm -hmm. 
in this. And, and I think that's important to recognize. And, and if that's an issue, like it's for each of us learning our comfort with each of those things and how do we, how do we navigate those things? Because being constipated is one of, I mean, it's terrible for our overall health because that is one of our main mode to detox toxins. Yeah. Wow. Interesting. Well, we are, we are about out of time for this, this session, Dr. Jill. So any last words? You know, my last words I would say are, this is more common than you think. And if it's an issue that you have, like, talk to somebody about it. There's so many things we can do to address this. Or even if you just have a question or concern, you should be able to ask your provider about this and have a discussion because there's there there's so many things to think about and there's so many things we can do. Okay, great. Thank you so much, Dr. Jill. All right, have a great week. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Your Health with Dr. Jill is a production of Radio Free Palmer, Big Cabbage Radio. If you have any comments or questions, please email manager at radiofreepalmer.org.